Hello, I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host, Rosemary Orchard. And this is The Automators, where we talk about how to automate your technology to do your bidding for you. Hello, Rose. Hey, David. It's episode 100. Yes. Where are the fireworks? Did we get fireworks? Yeah, I think we do. I think we get fireworks. They're yeah. going off right now. Yeah, you we just get can't the full Disney parade of fireworks, please. They're yeah. going off in my mind. I'm just sitting here looking. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a Mickey Mouse shaped one. Just yep. saw it. It was great. <sighs> yeah, nice. no, I, it seems like nice. just yesterday you and I were having the idea for the show. I actually vividly remember at the beginning of episode 10, you and I saying, hey, we made it to 10. That's good, right? Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. We beat Gray's expectation for Cortex, which I think is a benchmark in all po- pro- uh, podcast recording. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm pleased that we got that far and uh, that we've 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 multiplied it by a factor of ten. Yay! Yeah, hundred episodes about automation, and you know the goal is the same. You know we want everybody to be able to automate. We want to share mm-hmm. our enthusiasm for the subject, but also some tips and uh, news and all everything related to automation and. Uh, the, uh, there is an audience for this. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And we hope yeah. we are uh, continuing to help you along that path. Yeah, we really do. And um, we've had a lot of fun getting this far. So, you know, let, let's continue with that. Yeah, exactly. In fact, later we're going to talk about what we'd like to see happen between now and episode 200. But that's for mm. later. Um, the uh, uh, One of the things we wanted to talk about with it being episode 100 was kind of take a look back at what were the popular topics and subjects <laughs> for the first hundred episodes? So, of course, Rose wrote a script to figure that out. Yep. We're, we're going to pull that apart in the uh, Automator's Max uh, later, but uh, how you did it. But, but tell us the results, oh, yeah. Rose. What, what, what did okay. we get out of, our, uh, out of our algorithm for the Automators? Well, Pythonista definitely came up because I used it to write this this particular script to get this data. But there there were quite a few apps who uh, who made it into our um, most wanted list. Let's call it a most wanted, but in in the in the good sense, they get automation stars rather than people getting um, you know a bonus or a bounty for bringing them in. Yeah. So uh, there, there's quite a list here, um, and these are not sorted in any particular order. I should note, um, but Keyboard Maestro obviously, drafts, shortcuts, or as it was when we very first started, workflow. Um, if this and that, Integromat, which is recently renamed to meet, uh, to make, um, Hazel, Text Expander, Bunch, uh, Pushcut, JavaScript, obviously has come up a lot, um, as has Python, Alfred, Zapier, Automator, and AppleScript. Um, and wow, that is quite a list of uh, most wanteds. Yeah, those are definitely great utilities to help you automate if you master all those you're you're in great shape but um a couple of them that stand out to me i feel like keyboard maestro just continues to be the swiss army knife of automation on the mac you know it it's Mm -hmm. like so often and even with the emergence of shortcuts for the mac i still find myself in a pinch just going to keyboard maestro and building it it's it's in a lot of ways easier than shortcuts it's not as powerful in some ways i mean you know that we've talked about in the past this this um this comparison between keyboard maestro and shortcuts on the mac how they they're kind of complementary but you know in a jam uh keyboard maestro continues to be my very favorite automation tool for the mac yeah, it is one of those apps where I never really feel like I'm using it as much as I should. Um, but the secret to all automation is it doesn't matter if you're using it as much as you think you should. It matters if it solves a problem that you have. 
Um, and and that is what Keyboard Maestro so frequently does. What it's doing right now as we record this podcast, it's helping me log timestamps in our show notes so that I can easily, you know, give those notes over to our wonderful editor, Jim, um, so that, you know, we actually have useful information. But it's just constantly there as part of my day doing something in the background. And it, when it's not, it's doing something by being there ready for me to uh, to to use it. So that's great. One of the best things I've done with Keyboard Maestro is that contextual computing setup where I create the, oh, yeah. the conflict palettes. And um, the one I use most is uh, Option Control Command M for Max Sparky. And a lot of the stuff I do as Max Sparky lands with that keyboard shortcut. Uh, just to give you an example, a few days ago, I was working on the labs. You know, I have this new thing with the Max Sparky labs. And there are... When I um, release new content, in addition to putting it in the blog and sending out a newsletter, I also have a special page on Max Sparky that only Labs members can access. And uh, but there are three of those pages because there's three different levels. And um, but I update the content there as well because some people like to go to the website, some people like the RSS. You know, everybody's got a different way of accessing the stuff. But I realized the other day I was spending a bunch of time to open those tabs up to update content whenever there was new content. Mm-hmm. So I just made a really quick keyboard maestro shortcut and I could have done it in, in shortcuts for Mac, but I did it in keyboard maestro and it opens Safari and it opens three tabs, you know, the, the three tabs I need to use, but it also opens up the memberful page with the links I need and it opens up the calendar. It does. There's like, like four or five things I always do at once with this. And all I did was I named it labs dash member tabs and i gave it Mm -hmm. the the magic option command control m shortcut and now anytime i need to do that i just hit that that conflict palette in keyboard maestro tap like l and then m i think and then it just sets that up for me you know and that was something i was doing manually for like a month because i just hadn't got around to to automate it when i finally did it it took all of like two minutes but it's a very simple Mm -hmm. automation but having keyboard maestro always in the background, standing by and saying, "Put me in, coach. Whatever you need, I'll do the I'll do the grunt work for you." Um, it's really kind of great. It really is, yeah. And I I have to say, it's one of those things where this is a classic case of the two of us solving that problem very differently. Because for me, I have a bunch of bookmarks folders where I can just middle click on the folder and it will open those tabs. But that only works if you have a limited number of those folders. Um, and I've put that particular scenario for these are the tabs I need for recording automators or similar inside of Bunch because Bunch is what sets me up for those things. But I do still have instances where Keyboard Maestro will open a bunch of tabs or open different windows in certain applications for me because it's either the first tool that I put in to solve that problem or it was the right tool for that or I just like doing it that way for that particular scenario. And that's one of the reasons why it's so great because you can just put it in whenever you need it. Yeah, and the funny thing is like once you start putting that together, then you're like, oh, wait a second. I could also automate how is it named and linked. Or I could, because the other thing I do is I put links. There's also a, a, a shared calendar for each of the members. So they can look in the, Some people just like to go in the calendar and get the content through the calendar. So I can have it open the calendar to the specific calendars I want. And like you build it just as a group of links, but then because you know, you, you've got some automation skills, 
you start saying, well, there's other things I do when I do this. You know, like I could start a timer and, you know, I could open the calendar and, you know, I, you know, whatever, you know, I could, you know, you put it all together. And, and the thing about keyboard maestro is that it pretty much lets you pick any combination of things you want to do in your Mac and it, it does it for you. Yes, exactly. And it's there ready, waiting in the wings um, to do the things that can't be done either with the stuff like Click It Image. It's kind of like a better touch tool, which we talked about a little bit in the last episode with uh, Federico Vitici and John Voorhees, of it, it, it having some of that magic that fixes a bunch of other things. Keyboard Maestro's Click It Image does just solve a whole bunch of things. The the filter text function allows you to do a whole bunch of things that um, I keep being surprised. I'm looking for it going, oh, I'm going to need to build a complicated regular expression. I'll just look in that. Oh, no, that action can just do this for me. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, and, you know, and, and that is just so great. Also, like, high on our list was shortcuts, of course. And, you know, shortcuts really was kind of how we got started. So I was thinking back to this, you know, we... Um, when you and I started the show, we had recorded some episodes and then uh, everything got replaced because at the time we recorded the episodes, Apple released shortcuts, you know, and yeah, um, yep. we were at WWDC. I just spoken uh, to Mike Hurley um, and I met Stephen, um, you know, and we were we were confirming everything was ready to go and we had some episodes and then, you know, Apple threw a really lovely curveball in the form of shortcuts. And it's like, all right, get where's the trash can? We need that. Yeah, but it's awesome that this show was born at the same time as Shortcuts. And I, I feel like it's so yes. appropriate. We're on this kind of path together to a certain extent. And we've mm-hmm. been we've been hard on Shortcuts uh, for the Mac in terms of uh, the rough launch. But I don't think we've been entirely fair in the sense. Because like, I've, I've spent so much time with Shortcuts working on this new field guide that is almost done. It's really pretty great to have it on the Mac, you know, the the fact that yeah. the stuff you write on iPad and OS just shows up. And at this point, you know, we're six months in, they fix most of the bugs, everything generally works. I mean, I find, you know, just like I find all kinds of uses for Keyboard Maestro, I find all kinds of uses for shortcuts too. Yes, exactly. And it, it's one of those things where when I was doing the automation to get the 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 links out of the show notes and some of the keywords to try and match some stuff up, um, I considered using shortcuts for it. And the only reason why I didn't use shortcuts for it was because I was going to be building dictionaries and just incrementing numbers. And it seemed like it was going to be quite tricky um, to do that um, in, in, in shortcuts. And it was going to be easier to do it in a script. And considering, you know, the number of scripting languages available to me, um, it was going to be really fast. And it took me all of about 20 minutes to do it in the end, um, which probably wouldn't have taken that much longer with shortcuts. Um, but, you know, it, it 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 is definitely a tool I could have used for that. And I feel like it is, you know, often to an extent dismissed as, oh, right, it's the thing that you use to change app icons, or it's really underpowered because you can't just type what you want into it. Um, but honestly, it is a really great tool that is now ubiquitous on Apple platforms. Some of the actions aren't, but the, the app itself and its existence is, uh, assuming everyone is running, you know, the, the latest operating system. So I'm, I'm really glad that it's here. Um, and I'm hoping it's here to stay. Yeah. I mean, ubiquitous is the right word for it. And, uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, the, and the thing is kind of getting back to the purpose of the show to teach anybody how to automate 
there really isn't an easier place to start than shortcuts because it literally is Lego blocks. You drag them on top of each other and stuff happens on your device. It's pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah, it really is. Um, though I would say um, I do feel that maybe drafts deserves um, a, a good place in there as well because creating automations in drafts, especially with some of the updates it's had recently, um, is incredibly easy to do without reaching for the script action. Now, I personally still reach for the script action because my my automations never stay that simple. Um, but you, there there are things like prompts and more in the script actions, allowing you to really get very creative with what you do. So that you can, you know, insert all sorts of kind of data or, you know, update drafts and file them as you see fit, which is very easy to do. And I think because you've got the text right there, it's very easy to understand what you're doing as well. Yeah, I guess we should mention that Drafts just celebrated its 10th anniversary. And congratulations yes. to Greg uh, for 10 years of, of really making automation a thing on iOS. Agreed. And, and that is a very frequent uh, reference. If you look at the links that come out of the show and the discussions, drafts comes up repeatedly. You know, we have guests that we had no idea use drafts at all, and they they'll tell us all about the ways they're using drafts. Yeah, yeah, and and it's so common that I talk to somebody and I say, "Oh, you know, you could really solve this easily with drafts." Um, and they go, "Oh, I don't know," and I, I sort of get them started by creating the start of an action for them. And then they come back later and they've done things that I forgot were action, like action steps that you can add in drafts because there's just so much there and they're talking about how amazing it is and wonderful. Um, and I, I love that. I love that so much because it really is um, a really great tool. And again, it's ubiquitous because it's on the Mac now. I'm so glad drafts exists on the Mac. I swear I type more text into that app than I do probably even uh, my ID, which I used to develop. Um, so I'm writing a lot of code, but I, I write a lot of text too. Yeah. I mean, it just makes it really easy. And then, you know, you can send it anywhere you want. What they call exactly. the place where text, right? Yep. That place where text starts. So that's the triumvirate, right? You know, shortcuts, drafts, keyboard maestro. But Behind that, in in links and references, something that I didn't really expect when we started this show is the increasing references to cloud-based automation tools. And we talked about IFTTT, Zapier, uh, Integromat, which is now called Make. There are a lot of these tools coming along now. Yeah. And not only are they coming along, I think people trust them more than they may have done previously. Um, and I think some of this is, you know, just the march of time and the improvement of, you know, generic availability of, you know, you can trust a web system to be there. Um, but also I think some of it is just, you know, people have become more familiar with the idea of the internet doing things for you in the background, things you've configured, hopefully, um, so that you can, you know, just get stuff done. So you, it, you, things are not reliant on you happening. Um, and I think some of this maybe is um, or has been the pandemic to an extent because people have realized that, you know, work doesn't stop when they go home because they were already at home. So maybe they can just make some stuff happen in the background um, or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, these tools have gotten more powerful, which they certainly have. Yeah, And I also think that like, you know, web tools are just a thing now and mm -hmm. it's increasingly a thing, not just for hobbyists and nerds like us, but also people who go to work every day and have to work, you know, uh, web environments are becoming the collaborative platforms. And I think you're right, partly because of COVID, but 
I think we were on that track already. But now that we're using the web tools, people want to automate them. And, um, you know, there is definitely an arms race going on right now between competitors to to give us good automation tools for this stuff. Exactly. Yes. Um, and I have to say, it's also great the number of web t- uh, tools that have been created because of web tools. So, for example, Notion. Notion is incredibly popular and for very good reasons. Um, and they created an API. And then Alex Hay, the creator of Toolbox Pro, created Notimate, which is um, a Notion automation tool, which just puts um, Notion actions inside of shortcuts for you. Um, And that wouldn't exist if Notion didn't exist. And Notion wouldn't have an API if people weren't so familiar with automation. And I really feel like, you know, a a lot of that is just people being aware of how much, um, you know, some automation can help them, even if they're not going, you know, full nerd automator um, and really begging for these features. And then these features happen, which means that developers use them and more features happen because of that and more people use it. And it's a lovely, wonderful, self-fulfilling circle. Yeah. And I think the next category of frequently discussed topics on the show in the first hundred episodes has been what I call unitasking automation apps mm-hmm. like Hazel, Bunch, Text Expander. The kind of apps that really are made to do one thing well and yeah. not taking away from what they do because they they do the one thing well. That's why they've been discussed on the show. But um, there is a kind of a growing crop of apps engineered around automating a specific problem. Yes. Yeah. Like, for example, Pushcut is an app I am constantly using. I am never thinking about Pushcut. It's just there on an iPhone in my home running and doing all the things for me. And you know what? That's great. I love it because it does mean that stuff just happens that couldn't otherwise happen because a bunch of things run through shortcuts actions and I don't have to run, you know, a Mac mini home server to do those things. Um, and it it sort of bridges the gap between the web and local in some great ways, which is really useful to me. Um, you know, when I wake up in the morning and my alarm clock plays music, that happens because of push cut, not because of anything else. It's because of push cut that that's happening. And that's great. Yeah, I all of those. I mean, and push cut has emerged during the run of the show bunch came to an existence during the run of the show. You know, um, Hazel and Texas Banner have been around longer, but they they both continue to thrive. I mean, those are absolute avenues of automation. And then I, I guess the last category is I would just say scripts or, or yeah. scripting languages, you know, Apple Script, JavaScript, Python. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't covered those as in much detail, but we do link out to them quite often. The The problem with those is how do you explain how to program code with a podcast that's just really audio and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could start reading the script that I wrote earlier from BS4 import beautiful soup, but I really think people are just going to go to sleep with that and that, that that's not great. But it, it is certainly worth looking at if you're, if you're looking for a different way to solve um, complex or tricky automation problems. Complex is the wrong word um, because sometimes it is just that, you know, you're getting data from a place where it's kind of difficult to wrangle using Keyboard Maestro or shortcuts or something. Um, and scripts really can just step up to the plate and do what we need there. And that is that is truly great. Either way, um, we have had a lot of fodder these first hundred episodes and oh, yeah. some great categories of apps and services to to talk about automation with. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Microsoft Lists. 
Sharing is caring, especially when it comes to really important information that everybody needs to be able to get their hands on. There's nothing worse than somebody sitting around waiting because they needed to know something, but you went around to give it to them or whoever it was that was the gatekeeper of the information didn't pass it along. If you're looking for a new way to track and manage work and life from start to finish, Microsoft Lists is here to help you clear your brain space and get organized. And it all starts at lists.live.com. Microsoft kicked off a pre-brew program to try lists with your Microsoft account, all designed for small business and individual use. Start by creating and sharing your lists with your work colleagues, partners, your soccer team, or your neighbors. You might create a list of books or movies for your monthly meetings, track home improvement and important receipts throughout the year, build out team rosters for your soccer or volunteer group, or any number of other things. At lists.live.com, you can quickly get started with ready-made templates. Use filters and views to visualize your information, which means you can have one list with many views. And then you can share your list as links to get other people's thoughts and work together. You can do a whole lot with this. The ready-made templates save you time or start from scratch and add in exactly what and how you want to track your information. It's suitable, flexible and great for gift ideas, issue trackers, event itineraries, asset managers, work progress trackers, receipt collection and much more. Personally, I've always got bits of information that I need to share. Recently, I had to share some very specific documentation relating to a specification at work, but it varied depending on exactly what you were doing. So I created a whole bunch of information using a list and shared it with people. And guess what? Everybody seems happy and they've got the information they need. Go and try the preview now at no cost. Go to your browser and type in lists.live.com. That's lists.live.com. Sign up, sign in and track what matters most. Check it out and let Microsoft know what you like and any feature requests. Our thanks to Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, David, you asked me for some favorite automations um, when when we were prepping for the show because, you know, obviously we we have favorites or most frequently used automations. Um, but I'm curious, I'm going to make you go first. Tell me one of your favorites. Well, I mean, this is like picking children, right? You know, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, so David, which child do you love the yeah, most, exactly. and is it really the dog? Yeah, the uh, yeah. You know, I'll say almost anything I've done in Keyboard Maestro still brings me joy and delight because it it is a great tool, and I use I work at my Mac so much that that thing is always firing off. But um, some of the stuff I've done with shortcuts over the last couple of years around calendars, I have found to be really useful and. Uh, shortcuts, I believe, is uniquely qualified for calendar-based automation. If you want to create events or mm-hmm. if you want to do, like one of the things, I, I do a lot of time blocking, but sometimes things get set behind and I've got a shortcut I wrote that automatically moves my remaining appointments back an hour. And that is like so useful to me. Um, I have yeah. one that I wrote that uh, allows me to go through, it'll look for events uh, in the next week and allow me to selectively choose them to add a prep time to them. Because like if I'm doing right. a phone call or an interview or something, I, I want to put prep time on the calendar and I don't put that, mm-hmm. put it on when I create the event, but as the event gets closer, um, yeah. and it's not a difficult, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, search the calendar, choose from list, you know, create an event and then you use some date and time math based on the start mm-hmm. time of the event and then just back up 30 minutes and make a new event starting at that new time called prepare for. And then you grab the yep. magic variable for the name of the event. And you can grab even like one of the things I do is I have it grab the specific calendar the event is in because I have so many different calendars. So I can have yeah. the prep time 
get added to the appropriate calendar and all this stuff. It took a little while to kind of get it sorted the first time I set it up, but I run these shortcuts like so often. Um, yeah. Another one I do is just, it's just basic. It looks at my calendar and pulls out a list of the start time and the event name of every event for the day. And I run that shortcut every morning and I drop it in Obsidian because uh, I kind of keep a daily note in Obsidian that shows what's the plan for the day. And so I see what my plan was when the day starts. Then as I go through the day, I adjust the calendar to match what I'm actually doing. It, it gives me a good kind of feedback loop. But, you know, sitting there typing out a list of my events every day, that's that's bananas, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. and uh, with shortcuts, this stuff is easy. Now, I could have done it with some clever Apple script and keyboard maestro, but shortcuts make stuff like this way easier. And yes. lately I've really been appreciating my whole stack of calendar automations I've generated in, in shortcuts over time. Yeah, I bet. I've I've been um, enhancing my guest podcast prep shortcut recently because it asks me, um, it, it's actually a little bit sneaky because I, I somewhat frequently go on clockwise um, or total party kill. So it's a little bit sneaky in that I have um, a menu in there to to choose if I'm going on clockwise and then it'll pick like the upcoming clockwise episodes out of the Relay FM uh, calendar uh, from the live recording so that I could just, you know, use the, that date and time instead. Um, and, and total party kill. Um, obviously I need to do a little bit of prep with my D and D character for that to make sure that I'm, you know, ready to go. Um, but you know, that one goes through and it adds a bunch of stuff to my calendar, including a prep event. And the prep event is always scheduled right before the, the podcast event, but it doesn't actually have to stay there. And it frequently doesn't, I'll move it around maybe to a previous day or a couple of hours before. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I don't have to prep right before I do the episode. I just have to have prepped before the episode. Um, and of course, for me, it goes in and adds um, OmniFocus projects um, for each one, including uploading the the correct files um, afterwards so that people have got, you know, decent audio. Um, but honestly, I've, I, I went a little bit um, in a slightly different direction. You said favorite uh, automations. I decided to go for my favorite automators, automations, because... I've got a bunch of automations based around the show. You know, our entire show notes are created thanks to automations um, combined with Airtable. So, you know, we we put the episode into the Airtable record and then bam, it goes ahead and creates, it creates a show doc for us um, and things like that. Um, when I start recording the show, I activate my recording um, bunch for automators. Um, and thanks to Audio Hijack 4, I now have shortcuts, David, which open specific audio hijack sessions for me. Yeah, It's amazing. And so I've got um, an Apple script inside of that bunch, which says tell application shortcuts uh, to run shortcut. I think it's called audio hijack automator zoom. Um, and then that, that opens the, the automators zoom session in audio hijack for me, which is great. Um, and then I'm also tracking the time as as we do the show so that I can insert show notes um, with with actual timestamps for our editor. That happens with with Keyboard Maestro because when I start recording, I use Keyboard Maestro to start the recording. It saves the timestamp into a variable and it, go, it activates uh, Audio Hijack and hits the recording keyboard shortcut. I should probably change that out to a different automation now that Audio Hijack has automations, but it ain't broke, so I'm probably not going to invest all that much time fixing it. And then, of course, there's the after show stuff where Keyboard Maestro will manage my files for me um, in that it, you know, because it asks me when I start recording the show, which episode we're recording 
or when I activate the bunch to be precise, it asks me which episode that is. So I typed in for this show, episode 100. Yay. Very exciting. Um, and then what it does after that is it goes and creates um, that episode folder in in the folder for, for our editor so that we, we have a folder for that episode. And then when I'm done recording, it's watching that folder where all those files go and it knows how I name my files and it looks for them and it renames them um, so that the episode number is in there and puts them inside the episode folder which is great. And of course, when guests come on the show, their their files get uploaded and Keyboard Maestro pops up and goes, hey, you, uh, go rename this file and tell me which episode this is for and I'm going to go put it in the right place for you. And when I record the 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 ads and things, those also pop up after I'm done um, with, with recording the file and goes, hey, which ad is this? And, and things like that to make sure that all the files get in there correctly named because they, they need to be, you know, in there right. And honestly, there's a whole suite of automation tools involved in here and I love it and I I don't think it would be so easy to record the show if it wasn't for them. And let's face it, it's a great way to fiddle with some of these things and have some fun whilst also prepping for the show. Yeah, I mean, you're using cloud-based automation and local Mac-based automation. You're, you're kind of covering the whole gamut of the show with that one yep. stack. Yeah, yeah, I really am. Um, it feels like nearly everything that I do um, is like one of the apps that is, um, you know, mentioned in our most frequently talked about tools. Like drafts is even in there because what happens when we, when a, when an episode um, goes um, into the planning and, and it, um, our show notes are created, um, it also pings my pushcut notification or pushcut uh, server, which means that it goes and creates a draft for me for that episode. So I've got a quick way to dump any thoughts that I have into a draft for that episode really easily. Um, and when the episode releases, that runs another shortcut, which among other things, you know, queues up some tweets and things like that about the forum um, and so on and so forth. But it also tells uh, pushcut to run the draft section with um, a particular episode number, which goes and archives the draft for that episode. And that's just magic. What were some of your favorite content shows of the first hundred? You know, we, uh, we often talk about sub, you know, we kind of have two shows here. We do a guest show. We do content shows. I can tell you, I'll give you a minute. Cause I just kind of dropped this on you. It's on our outline. You but did. The, uh, you did. I, I do like for me, I like a lot of the ones that are kind of more general. Like we've done shows on mm-hmm. like email and calendar and like, yep. I really like those shows. And since I feel like someone listening could probably find a way to, to use something immediately in that. Yes. But I also do like, yeah. I also like the, like the nerdy ones where we take like four or five topics in one and just kind of go down the rabbit hole on them. So, yeah, but uh, I guess if I had to pick, I'd say, I think the general shows, I think, uh, pro, mm. uh, are, are some of my favorites. Honestly, I'm going to go with uh, not content, but the guest shows, because every single guest we've had on has surprised me. And I mean that in a good way, to be clear. Um, you know, every single person that's come on, I found out, you know, different things I didn't know or a different way of doing things. And I, I love the fact that, you know, you and I are the the automation experts. I'm using air quotes here. Um, and we learn things from our guests. And I really love that. Um, the fact that, you know, so many people have got so many different ways of doing things um, and they're solving problems in creative, nerdy ways. It it makes me feel great. Um, and I really love the fact that, you know, I get ideas every time, you know, somebody comes on the show to talk about things. It's, Yeah. That's one of my favorites. I yeah, I, I was going to ask you, you know, what's your favorite guests? And that this is not <sighs> possible. I mean, 
I'm just looking through I th- all the I think people. we might insult people if we don't if we don't pick them. So I'm just going to go with everybody because everybody has been my favorite guest. I mean, it's not even like an attempt to not be insulting, but like I'm like Matt Casanelli, Dr. Drang, Ryan J. Mm-hmm. A. Murphy. Jason Snell. I mean, it's like you just look through the list and they're all great automators. We've we've had some really excellent guests. That's one thing for the next 200 shows. I want to make sure we can keep that quality up because we've got some great ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And also, um, you know, in, in the next 200, I'm hoping that we can get more of our listeners in because we know that our listeners, you know, have so many great people. You're listening to the show. You have so many great automations. Um, please do feel free. Share them in our forums, tweet at us, etc. Um, but uh, hopefully we can get some more of them on the show as well in the future, David, because it is really great when, you know, somebody hears something we've said and finds a better way to do it or a different way to do it, um, or they're solving uh, another problem and we inspired them to a solution with something that we said. Um, I love hearing about that. I, I can tell you by far the funnest episode for me, uh, of the first hundred, which is one a lot of people didn't get access to. It's the member special where we played <sighs> Mousetrap on Sal Segoyan's oh, kitchen God. table. <laughs> yeah. That that was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and if if you uh, are a member, we should mention that the uh, membership month is coming up again. And if you are a member, not only do you get Automators Max every week, but you'll also um, get that that bonus episode um, where we will be doing it again this year. I haven't told David this just n- until just now, so you know if he's if he sounds surprised for the next few minutes, you you know why. But we we will be doing another yeah, members episode. But you'll get it. access to last year's. We got to figure out. I mean, how do you overcome? I don't think we can ever beat playing mousetrap with Sal, but you know, we'll, we'll find something. Fun. Uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do, yeah. but um, you know, we, we, uh, there was even video of that. So you get to watch us uh, play uh, mousetrap on video with Sal and his lovely wife, Naomi as well, who was uh, fortunately more than happy to lend us their, they were happy to lend us their kitchen table so that we could read, uh, play that and, and record it. And JF Brissett came and did our audio for us, which was lovely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it is always fun to do something that takes us somewhere totally unexpected. So I'm, I'm hoping that we get some more of those, you know, that, that frequently happens in the guest episodes. We end up somewhere unexpected and wonderful. All right. So having done a hundred episodes and, and spent some time thinking about automation, uh, what what do you see as the current trends in all of this stuff? Where do you see this stuff kind of moving right now? I mean, it's one of those things where obviously I have an inherent bias towards what I'm doing um, as, you know, what the trends are. But also from from what I'm seeing, there there's just a lot more automation in places and people are expecting things um, to exist and to happen. Um, But for me personally, I've definitely seen an increase in crossing the streams, Ghostbusters style, Um, you know, where you've thought about it a little bit or maybe not. um, And then I end up, you know, putting AppleScript inside of a shortcut um, or running um, a shortcut through AppleScript inside a bunch, which is actually run by Keyboard Maestro from my stream deck. And so I've ended up kind of nesting automation types and crossing streams in ways which I feel can only be beneficial. The fact that, you know, maybe I can't do everything in one tool or I started out in this tool and I don't want to move everything over and waste all my time doing that. So I can just leave that stuff in that tool and continue on in something more powerful and not lose everything that I started with. And I think that is... Um, a trend which, you know, I'm seeing in a lot of places, you know, um, somebody tweeted at us a little while ago um, uh, to say that they've they've used their first Apple script, which they copied and pasted into a Keyboard Maestro macro. Um, and 
you know, and that that is great. I'm really thrilled that more people are doing things like that because I feel like it's more accessible in many ways when you can just go, right, well, Keyboard Maestro, for example, can do everything I need except this little bit, but AppleScript can do that. And this person wrote a script, which I can read because it's AppleScript, so I know what it's doing because it's just words. Yeah. So I'll just copy and paste that and put that in this Keyboard Maestro macro or put this in this shortcut and then it does the whole thing for you. And that that is something I love. Yeah, I agree. I think another trend is just the simplification and democratization of automation. I mean, mm-hmm. things are just easier than they were when we even started this show. And um, for instance, on the Mac, uh, as we get shortcuts for Mac kind of gets more stable. And we're going to talk about WWC later, but I, I feel like it's go- going to get more stable. We're seeing increasingly applications that were not historically automation friendly become automation friendly. You mentioned earlier uh, Audio Hijack, you know. The last version of mm-hmm. Audio Hijack didn't have any automation in it. But now that shortcuts exist, they were able to put something together. And um, if you look at like the just shocking number of Mac apps that are getting shortcut support, uh, you can see that there's a whole like avenue of automation available to users that wasn't there before. And I think that's going to make it a lot easier for people to build, you know, two to five step shortcuts that solves yep. a little problem for them. It's not super complex and it's and because it's not complex, it's not going to break. And they're just going to quietly use that, that automation. And I think that is, um, that's something that I really like that's happening. Yes. Yeah, it, it really is great. You know, my parents have both got shortcuts on their home screens, which in fairness, I created for them. Um, and and so, you know, they, they didn't necessarily make them themselves. But my mom messaged me the other day and said, hey, you know that parking thing? Um, how can I make it also work for this other car park when I'm at this other car park? Um, and it's like, you know, you're actually using this stuff, um, which is great. And the fact that I was able to just put something on your home screen that solves a problem for you is really good. Um, so, you know, I've I've duplicated her shortcut and given her a different one for another car park. Um, I did offer to put a menu in there, but she she didn't want the extra menu. She just wanted to tap the button and have it do that car park for her. So uh, there we go. That That's that problem solved. But it really is, you know, automation appearing in all the places. You know, as, as I mentioned before, Notion added an API because of user demand. Obsidian has things like data view, um, and, um, you know, custom JS, um, as, as options and you can just write plugins for it because users want that. And I'm sure some of these plugins were created because that person who created it wanted them and they've grown beyond their original creator. And that, you know, that really to me is a sign that automation is, you know, something that people are perhaps less scared of than they previously were. Um, and maybe that some of this is just people getting, better grips with computers in general um maybe some of it is just um you know the fact that they've seen it in enough places that they trust it i i don't know but either way i like what i'm seeing there this episode of the automators is brought to you by devonthink get organized and unleash your creativity moreover get a 10 percent discount when you go to devontechnologies.com slash automators DevonThink is the most powerful document and information management application on the Mac. It's the one place for storing all your documents, snippets, or bookmarks and working with them. The integrated artificial intelligence assists you with filing and searching, while extensive search language and advanced Boolean operators can help you out as well. 
With DevonThink, you get features like flexible sync systems that support many cloud services or let you synchronize over the local network too, with everything securely encrypted with a password that you pick, not somebody else. This gives you the choice for however syncing system works best for you. It has smart rules and flexible reminders that let you automate all parts of your workflow and delegate boring repeating tasks. We're automators. We love automation. So does DevonThink. DevonThink's AppleScript dictionary is one of the largest on the Mac. There's no part of DevonThink that can't be automated. And because the app has such a rich history on the Mac, there are so many existing AppleScripts that have been written to make DevonThink work harder for you. You can extend DevonThink's functionality with your own commands by adding them to its scripts menu. Even templates can have scripts inside, and you can set up new documents with data from placeholders or inserted by your own AppleScript code. And of course, there's so much more from an iOS companion app to email archiving, scanning, and even an embedded web server for you sharing your data securely with your team. I'm a big DevonThink devotee. I use it for a lot of my data. All my personal stuff is in there. Um, I've got a bunch of my uh, legacy legal stuff in there, and I've got Max Sparky stuff in there. In fact, I made a DevonThink field guide because I love it so much. I just find it so useful because it's so powerful. Not only does it have the automation tools built in, it also has amazing support for linking. You can link to anything in your DevonThink library with an easily creatable link right in the application. And you can drop that anywhere else. And then suddenly you've got contextual computing. You're jumping around your Mac and into your DevonThink library and out of it very easily. Uh, anybody that's interested about managing big bits of data on their Mac should check out DevonThink. Go to the website. We've got a link here for you, devontechnologies.com slash automators. You get 10% off DevonThink 3 or upgrade to it right now. That's devontechnologies.com slash automators for 10% off. Rose and I are big fans. You should be too. And our thanks to Devon Technologies for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. So, Rose, we got yep. news since the last time we were on air. WWDC, June 6th, not that far off. Nope, no, it's really not. Time time is ticking away at a relatively rapid pace. Um, but I reckon, David, do you, do you think if we wish hard enough um, and talk about all the things that we want, uh, Apple have got time? Like, f- from my counting, they've got, like, six weeks until sure. June. Sure, they can just so, add all that in. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, by the time this episode releases, they'll have, like, four weeks. Um, or, you know, yeah, with the holidays and everything built in. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there's time. I think there's time. You know, they're, they're smart people. All right, so uh, from a shortcuts or just an automation perspective, what would you like to see happen this year at WWDC? I would like to see um, for specific automation actions that are come from shortcuts, for example, the vibrate action. I would love to just have a global preference for ignore actions that cannot run on this, like ignore device actions that cannot be executed on this platform. So that if there is a vibrate action in the in my shortcut, for example, because I created it thinking I was going to run it on my iPhone and then I try and run it on my Mac, it doesn't just crash and stop because on my Mac, I've set a preference to ignore uh, device like device actions that cannot be executed on this device. Um, now, this, does, this doesn't mean that, for example, say... Uh, if OmniFocus adds an action on iOS and then it comes to the Mac a day later because it, it takes me a little while to install um, the update, that that should just keep going because obviously that's going to be very different. But I feel like device-specific things like that vibrator action and stuff really ought to just, you know, not 
crash my shortcut or me have the ability to not crash my shortcut. And we have some precedents for this in shortcuts. If you look in the preferences for shortcuts, um, then um, you can uh, turn on allow running scripts, allow sharing large amounts of data, allow deleting without confirmation, allow de deleting with, uh, with large amounts of data. So please, can I have a checkbox for ignore device like device actions which are not compatible with this device um make it a toggle on my iphone a checkbox on my mac um and just let me ignore the vibrate action in particular but there there's a couple of different ones in there which which all do that sort of thing where it just doesn't work unfortunately yeah i would like to even just state that request more generally and have apple just get better at device conflicts you know um mm -hmm. you know now yeah. that you've got shortcuts in multiple platforms as users were hitting these conflicts where, you know, people want to call something that on the, you know, the, uh, on the Mac that's not on the iPhone or whatever. And it doesn't deal with that elegantly. You know, the perfect yeah. solution would be, we'll find a way to make an alternative. I mean, we talked about the vibrate, I think uh, in the last episode with Federico and John, yeah. but like I was thinking, well, instead of vibrating, have the screen flash or do something, you know, and just yeah, yeah. figure out an equivalent and just do that. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Would be, I think that would be the most elegant solution, but the current one where it just breaks and doesn't even tell you what went wrong, that's yeah, kind of the I mean, worst solution. Yeah. It, it really is. And things like get battery level, okay? So I'm running this on my Mac Studio, okay? I, I ran the get battery level shortcut and or a shortcut action and it outputs a zero. Which I will give you is technically correct because my my Mac Studio has no battery, uh, but maybe it could you know return a one hundred um, or something because technically it's always full power because it's a it's a desktop it doesn't have a battery or different uh, idea I could turn battery level of my UPS um, but you know that that's perhaps going a bit too far but yeah it it would be really great to have things like that and also. Things like a switch case instead of just if else. Um, so a switch case, you've got one condition and then you switch on the condition so that I could say, okay, if the device is my Mac Studio, do this. If it's my iPad Pro, do this. If it's my iPad Mini, do this. And if it's my iPhone, do this. Um, and not just being able to switch on, you know, device name, but also being able to switch on, you know, of any number of things so I could you know put my own text in there or my own variables or whatever it is that I need to do um, and you can work around this sometimes kind of with a dictionary if you just want to get different you know text results based on an input text result then you can say okay so if it's you know like build a dictionary with keys and values and then you can just if through it or uh, repeat with each word and say if it contains this then the output is this otherwise nothing um and just see what you get back but it is you know it's it's tricky and i feel like a switch would probably help a lot of people understand some of this stuff more because when they try to do an if and then they need to put um another if inside of it they they end up indenting things especially if you're on a small iphone that's really tricky. Um, whereas, you know, a switch is one level and maybe maybe go a step further and add and um, so you can have multiple conditions or something. That would be really great. But yeah, it would be lovely to have a switch case. Yeah, and if statements are fine, but you kind of nailed it at the end there. If statements on a device where you've got to use your fingers to like move blocks around and it's very precarious sometimes on smaller screens, 
It yep. gets really difficult. And and that kind of gets to something I'd like to see. And and really your request fits inside this, you know, the idea of dealing with the, you know, multiple devices better, but just a general um cleanup of the existing tools and actions and just like get rid of a lot of the friction points. And by friction points, I mean everything from how hard is it to keep your your shortcuts in order in a folder. Just this morning, I, w- I was organizing some in a folder and then mm-hmm. it just randomly scrambled its eggs, you know, and then, um, or, you know, how do you get text in easier or how do you rename a variable? Like there's a bunch of stuff in there that works, but it always requires like, almost it feels like insider knowledge to know where the, where the dragons are and just, you know, kill all those dragons and make it, so just it's much easier, you know, getting back to my idea earlier of saying a lot of people want to do two to five step shortcuts, make this app so stable and rock solid that nobody making a two to five step shortcut is going to run into a problem. I understand it. If you're a power user and you want to make a hundred steps, we're going to have some problems, but make it so people on that entry ramp don't have any problems and, and don't re you know, don't redo the user interface, just keep it, but you know, just make all the stuff under the hood work a little better. Yes. Um, speaking of things working a little better, I would love to see, for example, um, my, when I open a shortcut that I edited it, not tell me that it was edited on my iPhone's name brackets, this device and my iPhone's name. I don't know. No, no, no. At the same time, even at the same time, because I I don't know. Like, I don't know what is happening there. Yeah, I get But something, something weird is happening. And also related to that on the shortcuts front, tap targets are so off. If I pick something up and try to drop it, yeah. <laughs> it's a good, like, three quarters of an inch above my finger. It's like two, two, cent- two centimeters or yeah. more um, above my finger or below my finger sometimes. Um, and this happens on the Mac, too, with dragging and dropping actions um, with the mouse sometimes. Yeah. It just is totally off. Um, and I think it's related to when you expand an action to get more information um and then and then fold it up again like that seems to be for me the trigger and i have filed that in the feedback and hopefully um it's it's landed in the right place um but it it is that that is the sort of thing that puts people off so much um and it puts me off as well like it's really difficult when i'm trying to edit something and i go to to drop an action and i can't even see where it's going to drop it and then i and so I, I i just let it go and that action just has disappeared entirely and it's very frustrating for me as a pro user, let alone for somebody who's just trying to create like two or three actions and their friend who's looking over their shoulder says, oh, you put this in the wrong order, drag this one above that one. And they have to like think two centimeters above their finger the entire time. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I, you know, those problems are so common to me that I've almost forgot that they exist as problems. I've just kind of accepted that they're part of life, that every time I open a shortcut I haven't opened for a while, it's going to give me a conflict. And mm-hmm. it doesn't even make sense why the conflict is. It's usually on the same device. Yeah. And I, I always pick the top one and, you know, I don't know what just happened, but I just go with it. And then yeah. uh, the same thing is not only uh, touch target being off, but also just the land target being off. Like when you do oh, yeah. touch it and get it in the right spot, like if you hold it between uh, action steps one and two, this, the gap will open up between three and four. Yeah, yeah, and you so you have to pay attention to where the gap is, even though your mouse yeah. isn't there. And those are things that for people, I mean, for you and me, 
we just kind of roll with it. We understand and we kind of figure it out how to get around that. But I mean, for people trying to get used to this stuff, I mean, that is such a uh, turnoff, right? I mean, it, it is, it really is. Um, and it's just frustrating as well. Um, the, the other thing that I would really love to see is um, action name aliases. Um, where you, they don't have to show us the names of or the alternative names to certain actions. But you know what happens right now? If I type exit um, into um, the, the the actions list and shortcuts, nothing. I get nothing back. Yeah. Previously, I would have got exit shortcut back, but it's now called stop shortcut and stop shortcut and output. But if I search for exit, which is a common word in programming languages that people probably picked up over the years, I know my mom would ask, how do you exit this thing um, rather than stop it? She might search for stop as a second one. But if they search for exit, then it might be nice to pro- to have like alternative suggestions um, as an area, you know, like, you know, where uh, Siri, when you search for something, comes back with, you know, these are the results. And then, you know, here are some other things and on the web. Well, just like you've got on the web, have alternative suggestions um, and, you know, stop shortcut could appear in there and allow app developers to give you alternative names as well that you can search for because it you know that that would be just really nice to have because then for example I've got a friend who was looking um to get get the number from it or get a number from input but he didn't know he was looking for get number from input he looked for like parse integer because he's a developer so of course he looked for parsing an integer because that's what he wanted but he didn't realize that get number from input was actually what he needed. Well, maybe maybe parse could be an um, an alias to get um, or similar, and just you know make some suggestions that way. Because again, for people who are already developers or power users, this is helpful. But it's also helpful for the people who don't know what they're doing, where they can just search for the thing, and you know it'll it'll give them you know actions. If I type in OF, it would be great to have OmniFocus actions appear. And if OmniFocus could suggest that an alternative to OmniFocus is OF and OmniGraffle is OG and OmniPlan is OP, etc., then, you know, that that would probably be really helpful for the users of those apps. And I'm sure um, that, you know, it would make it just a little bit easier for users um, and probably make life a little bit easier for app developers as well from the support side where they don't have to explain no, 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 it won't appear if you search for this, you need to search for that or go into the app list inside of um, shortcuts and then go to the app actions. Okay, and so on that point of making it easier for developers, I think that's the the next piece of this request for simplification. I feel like um, they have done a good job of making it relatively easy for apps developers. If you look at the API calls and the way you set up a shortcut support, it's not it's not super difficult. I mean, I sat in in this session in WWDC with this the last time I was able to go to WWDC, and mm-hmm. and it didn't seem to me like this was impo- a mission impossible. But I feel like um, we're getting the developers that are using shortcuts are, are usually coming in pretty shallow. They're not going in very deep with it. Not everybody is yeah. better touch tool. And I think that one of the reasons is, is Apple could do a better job making it easier to integrate shortcuts with the core functions of your application. Yes. And I'd like to see them do that. Rather than Apple spend their time making a bunch of actions, let the developers do it because that's what we want them for. And, you know, yes. And so part of the simplification for me, in addition to making shortcuts more stable, would be to make it more accessible 
to developers. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be greatly appreciated. I know um, Peter Lewis, the creator of Keyboard Maestro, was asking some questions about shortcuts stuff on Twitter the other day. And the fact that somebody who develops one of the most powerful Mac apps um, ever, you know, has to ask these questions really means that, you know, there, there's 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 something lacking uh, there that just doesn't make it quite as easy as Apple think it is. Um, and related to that, I really wish that they would do a better job um, of educating app review on what the heck is shortcuts and why are shortcuts actions, you know, not a bad thing. Because, for example, Nautimate um, th- was queried by app review of, wait, what do you think is the target audience for this? And Alex Hayes' response was the same as the target audience for my other already popular app on the App Store, Toolbox Pro. Um, and it, it it got through. But the fact that they they asked that for something that is related to an incredibly popular web app with um, an automation platform that's just released, um, you know, it 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 is to me. Uh, and then it it's being integrated into shortcuts. It seems to me like maybe App Review also needs some help there. Um, and, you know, some some more, you know, abilities to just find, for example, all of your shortcuts that are used using this particular app or that particular app would then mean that I could share all of my, for example, OmniFocus shortcuts with uh, OmniGroup, or I could share all of my draft shortcuts with Agile Tortoise. And because I could do that, then they could actually in turn create a shortcut showcase on their website of, hey, here are some example shortcuts some of our users are using, which promotes shortcuts and promotes iOS and Apple. Um, and then, you know, they can link back to that sort of thing. But I can't even search for shortcuts which contain actions from a specific app right now, um, which also makes it difficult for developers. Wait, which was the shortcut that had my app's action in it? Well, they they have to go through and open them and find out. It, it's not great. Yeah, but, you know, that's always been a challenge at Apple to get kind of company-wide buy-in to automation I mean, yeah. I remember. Well, it's not so much automation that I'm concerned about. It's just the fact that there are, you know, core features on their platform that they seem to not think is a, a salesworthy feature. Like that, that is what really struck me about that. Well, I mean, just to finish the thought, when Automator came out, mm-hmm. Microsoft had way better support for Word and Excel. I mean, they they hired a guy to write them for them, but they had Automator actions that were way better than what they had for pages you know i mean it just mm-hmm. and and it just apple just because apple as a platform developer has this the shortcuts thing it, it doesn't seem like everybody like in app review gets gets behind it and understands how important this is so alex hay has to deal with that kind of nonsense and i think that's yeah. always been an issue and i guess that's another thing i would like is i'd like to see them continue uh, if, you know, first, let me just qualify everything I've, I'm going to say now, because to me, stabilization of shortcuts is mission critical at this point. I mean, it yeah. has to happen. And if nothing else happens, I will go on record here that I will not complain. If you if you say, look, we didn't really add anything, but everything works way better, I will be happy. You know, because I think the app developers will be adding things for us, you know. We're going to, you know, better touch tool is the Trojan horse of shortcuts, right? And there'll be more of those if, if they make the platform more stable. So, but that being said, let's say they fix everything, they make it more stable and they have some time. I'd like to see them on the Mac, make more of a dent in those automator actions that haven't made it over yet. I'd like to see them kind of finish that up. Yes. Yeah. Same. Um, And I, I really would 
would love, um, you know, for all of the the Mac apps, especially those that don't update um, in sync with macOS, to have better shortcut support. Um, and so a great example of uh, a team that's done it right, iWork team. They just released a, a bunch of actions for iWork on the Mac, um, which allows you to do things like create pages documents and open pages documents and open a presentation in presenter mode or rehearsal mode um, and things like that. That is great. I am really glad that they're adding things like that. And I really hope, you know, the Safari team pops along and goes, oh, hang on a minute. We could do this. Let's let's put some stuff in Safari Technology Preview. Give people some earlier access to things, um, and uh, then bam, we get some some new actions next time Safari updates as part of macOS um, or independently. Um, and uh, Xcode, you know, Xcode could add some actions. That'd be nice. Um, you know, it would be a really great to see buy-in from internal Apple software developers as well as all of the other um, app developers out there doing all of those things. I remember reading Machiavelli talked about generations like of um, revolution. You know, this is totally kind of unrelated, but there'd be a revolutionary generation that turns everything upside down. Then the next generation would be the one that consolidates. I feel like shortcuts has been in the revolution now for like three years and we got to get out of the revolution. We got to kind of get into the consolidation phase of all of this. Um, but Either way, um, it's not that far off. And I'm sure Rose and I will have opinions. And <laughs> oh, we always have opinions. Um, but I, I should say, you know, I'm really glad that Shortcuts is on the Mac. Is it perfect? No, but nothing is perfect. Um, and it can only get better by existing. And the team that have put all of their hard work into this, you know, they, they should know that they've done a great thing. And the reason why we're complaining is because we're, we're using it and we're loving it and we want to do it more. Um, yeah. And that that's, you know, that that's that's, you know, at, at its core, why we have, um, you know, why we're saying, you know, things because, you know, it is great that we're using all of this stuff and we want personally to be able to do more and also for everybody else to be able to do more. Um, and that is, you know, what we're going to see. Um, and I'm also hoping that maybe we're going to see a little update on the future of Automator because I I I mean they've already said Automator is not long for this world. Auto the Automator um, will be going into retirement at some point because Automator actions can be converted into shortcuts and um, you know that 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 is then the end of Automator. So I'm I'm wondering if we're going to see Automator be removed this year in uh at wwdc or if it will hang around for another year or maybe to a point one or point three release um of mac os i guess we'll have to wait and see yeah and, and i guess i should be clear on that too um the shortcuts team has done remarkable work getting it over not only did they get it on the mac they did it with swift ui which is not an entirely baked system yet you know so they really had a hand tied behind their back in my opinion i'm sure they won't say that but that's the way i feel um, I think they use more than just Swift UI because Swift UI for the Mac really is very tricky. Um, and I have to say it 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 does work like a Mac application. Um, you know, there there are some bits where I'm like, oh, this is very iOSy. Um, but you know, overall, you know, they have done a great job there. Yeah, and I I have complaints, but at the same time, I use shortcuts on the Mac every day. I mean, every day I rely on it at this point. So. So I, I really am a fan and, uh, and I actually think we're just at the rough spot right now. And actually we may be past the worst of it because just in the last couple of months, shortcuts has made 
a ton of improvements and I feel like they are in the process of like tightening down the bolts. And once that job is done, then they can start expanding it and making it better again. I feel like this is just like growing pains more than anything else, but, but uh, I would like to see more progress on that this year at WWDC. Yeah. And I'm sure we will. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Go to linkedin.com slash automators and post a job for free. As a small business owner, you might feel like you're juggling a hundred balls in the air at any one time, and you don't have time to interview candidates who just aren't qualified for your role. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to find people you want to interview faster and for free. Finding the right person for your job posting can be fraught with peril. You've got to get the person that has the right skills but also the right chemistry to fit in with your team. Getting the wrong person can cause so many problems, but that gets a lot easier with LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a free job post in minutes to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. Rose, in the last segment, you just casually stated you were working on your new Mac Studio. Uh-huh. Yep. You, you yep. didn't tell me. Yep. So you got your Mac Studio. Congratulations. I did. I did. Uh, the Mac Studio display is, um, well, existence is theoretical. Apple have told me it should be with me sometime between the 20th of June and some uh, 20th of May and something of June. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it exists in theory. Maybe the box already exists, but uh, I'm sure it's in the process of ma- manufacturing rather than actually existing and having a serial number and all that jazz. Um, but the Mac Studio itself is sitting right here on my desk uh, and, you know, getting on with everything, just doing doing the work because it's great. I love it. It's really powerful. Um, it no longer, like, unlike my, my M1 iMac, which I still love um, and I am currently in the process of deciding what precisely to do with it. Um, it, it does not complain when I'm running multiple uh, node applications and Xcode simulator at the same time, yeah, I'm sure. which which oh. was kind of my problem before. Um, I, I should know that you know I, developer work. I should have expected um, as much of uh, of an M1, uh, but uh, the 32 gigabytes of RAM and the M1 Pro are serving me well. I am really impressed. This machine is lightning fast, um, and it it works. It's great. Um, and uh, you know I've. I actually use Migration Assistant this time. I don't usually use Migration Assistant. Uh, I usually take the opportunity to nuke everything and set it up again, but I've not had the the iMac for very long, so I decided that I'd just transfer everything over, um, and it worked really well. I'm really pleased. So uh, you were going from... So you got the M1 Max chip, not the M1 Pro chip, right? Uh, yeah. Um, whichever the lower end one yeah, is. Max, I'm now the Max. The, the, is the Max the lower? Well, I thought the Max was the high. The Max is and the high on the laptop, but it's the low on the Mac Studio. The Ultra yeah, is I the got, high on the Mac Studio. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then yes, that's what I got. I'm yeah. I'm having a moment where I've forgotten what spec my own yeah, Mac I, Studio I get is. It. It's confusing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the big question a lot of people have is the fan noise that became kind of a discussion point when it got released. How is it performing? For well, you? I have uh, another really small computer sitting next to a running home assistant, which I need to migrate to the other side of my office. But uh, I've been doing various things recently. So in comparison to that, I have no idea if there is fan noise because that thing that that has a fan in it, it's not very loud, uh, to be clear. But it, that fan's just always running. So I certainly don't hear the M1, uh, the the Mac Studio at all. Um, you know, I, it's it's not a problem. I think um, probably when I, I am running multiple Node apps and and everything, it will be spinning up the fans a little bit, but I've not noticed it yet. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Also, I have like the biggest size of IKEA Bacant desk, and this Mac Studio is right over in the corner on the back. So even when the fans spin up, it's not going to reach my microphone. Um, and I've usually got music playing if I'm not podcasting or similar. So that should be good. I, I don't think I'm going to have a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a, a meetup with the, a virtual meetup with the Max Market Labs members, and there were like four or five people in there that had the new Mac Studio, and none of them said that the, the noise was overwhelming. I, I think that's a bit of a red herring. It definitely, I guess, does make some noise, but for people yeah, who I mean, record. It's got a fan in it, but. I think it's just like the 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 M1 uh, new MacBook Pros, like it's got a fan, but it's rarely going to spin up. I and mean, even when it does, it's really quiet. Um, if you compare it to say like a desktop gaming machine with all of those fans in, it's nowhere near as loud as that. You're going to be fine. Um, it has fans that can fan, but also my M1 iMac has fans in it that could you know spin. Um, and if I put my fingers underneath the the display, and if it was still on, um, then I might even feel some of the air coming out. But it's uh, it, you know, I, I I very much doubt that fan noise is going to be a problem. And quite frankly, you know, computers do make noise a little bit. It's just a fact of life. But I'm okay with that. Uh, how has it affected like your build times and? that stuff <laughs> what build times yeah. uh, that's how much is affected them yeah. Yeah. yeah like things didn't take long before but now i like you know i go to switch away to you know, i don't know like you know open um you know a link that my mom sent me from twitter or something it's like nope didn't need to do that i'm 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 done um which is great um i, I really appreciate that so yeah the, <laughs> what build times is a very accurate answer to that question so, sounds like two thumbs up Oh, yeah, definitely. This is a great machine. Um, and I have to say, you know, especially if you already have a monitor or you would like um, more of the studio monitors or multiple of the studio monitors, I really think it's it's good price-wise as well because it is an M1 Max chip um, in there, you know, in the base model. Um, and that is, quite frankly, insanely powerful. You could go up to the Ultra, but it's good value for money either way. Um, the thing that it doesn't have, which the, the Mac Pro laptops do have, is a battery. Um, and so if you do need to be able to take your, your machine places and, you know, just use it without, um, you know, without anything else, then it's, it's obviously not going to do that. But if you're at home most of the time, you're going to be just fine with the with the Mac Studio. So did the purple keyboard come over from the iMac to the uh, 
Uh, well, I am using a Keychron, um, which I put custom keycaps on and custom switches. Thank you uh, to the keyboard channel in the Relay FM subreddit for an, uh, or Discord, sorry, for enabling me there. Um, I, I went in and came out with a Keychron, custom keycaps and custom <laughs> and custom switches. Um, yeah, yeah. I should warn people that place is dangerous, yeah. uh, but lovely. If you go in there with questions, they are more than happy to help, and they were very, 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 um, you know, happy to help me spend some money and, and get myself a really nice keyboard. Um, and uh, so I've got a lovely RGB uh, Keychron keyboard with uh, Bobo U4 silent switches, which are not silent, to be clear, uh, but they are much quieter than other switches. Um, and I got some lovely purple to pink keycaps because, you know, they're pretty. Um, yeah, so they're I will probably, yes, yeah, I will probably not end up keeping the the um, the magic keyboard and trackpad that came with the M1 iMac just because if I am selling or giving the the M1 iMac to somebody um, they're going to want the keyboard and mouse with it as well um, so so that will go with it but um, I I may end up with another magic keyboard with the Touch ID on because Touch ID is useful but honestly with the unlock with Apple Watch feature that I've got on um, that you can just enable on your Mac. Um, you, I don't need my I don't need touch ID most of the time. I can just double press the side of my mouse yep. uh, side of my watch and I'm I'm unlocked. What do you use for a mouse? Just real quick. I, I know we're kind of off target for, for automators, but I was just curious. Uh, I'm using a Razer Basilisk at the moment, um, which I really like um because it's wireless. Um it's RGB, which is um very nice. Um it, it's wireless in the sense that it's got a dongle that you plug in, but I bought the one with the charging dock. So the dongle plugs into the charging dock. And then when I'm not using the mouse, like I would go to walk away, I just put the mouse on the charging dock and it charges, which is amazing. And I love it um, because that was a problem that I have with the Logitech that I would forget to charge it and then I'd have to use it cabled. Whereas now I can just put my mouse on the dock and walk away at the end of the day and it's charged. And I pick it up in the morning, it's fully charged and I never need to think about it. What a name for a mouse, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um I should I should also note that Razer um like they make a lot of gaming things but they also have Snecky Snick S N E K um and it is an adorable doodle of their their mascot the snake. Um but they turned it into like a cuddly plushy toy um and a hoodie and slippers um and shoes and all sorts of things and when people buy them then uh it saves trees because they are um you know reinvesting that money eco friendly manner. So um, I, I kind of got a, a mouse and a plushie at the same time, which is adorable. Um, and, and sits, you know, on my desk looking at me um, or occasionally makes it into my lap if I'm debugging something and it's getting very frustrating and I need something that I can squish uh, because Snacky is fortunately very malleable. Maybe we should do a show sometime on automation with our with our input devices, you know, like our trackpads and mice. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say to me, David, is that I need to go on the Razer website and buy that mouse that's got like 16 buttons on the thumb area. Yeah. Um, because they've got they've got one of those. Um, I've forgotten which one it's called, so I'm I'm looking for it right now. Oh, there's a there's the mice section. I accidentally went to components, which is um almost what I wanted, but they have um it's called the Naga. Um, and I, I lied. It's only got 12 input buttons on the thumb side, but it comes in a left-handed and a right-handed mode. Um, and so, yeah. Um, with that, the multiple stream decks, because the stream deck plus the stream deck pedal, um, yeah, I'm, I am I, I definitely have a lot of input devices running around on my desk. It's, All right. Uh, almost let's, embarrassing. Let's talk about that at some point, because I, I do too. I have the trackpad and better touch tool. I think that's a, that's a future topic. But um, 
Uh, I want to get, before we, we finish today, I want to kind of get back to, you know, celebrating 100, but also thinking forward to episode 200. Yeah. You know, where would we like the show to be between now and then? And where do we see all this heading? And um, uh, I guess let's start with where is all this heading? I feel like automation, this democratization I was talking about earlier, I think that is going to improve in the next 100 episodes of the Automators podcast. I feel like over oh, yeah. the next couple of years, you know, shortcuts is getting past its growing pains and, and third-party developers on the Mac, but also on iOS are going to increasingly adopt it. I, I think that we're going to have a lot more power and stability and shortcuts in a hundred episodes than we have now. Yes. And I also think we're going to see a lot more developers go ahead and, and, and create small utility apps that just do things really well. Um, so for example, um, you know, we've got you know, Pushcut, which exists to run shortcuts on your iPhone automatically, it's running on a dedicated device, you know, we're going to see more things like that. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see more people branching out into using things like Keyboard Maestro, which is always gaining more actions. Genuinely, I have no idea how it does. I blink and it feels like there's 30 new actions, which is not quite true, but every action can be used in so many ways that it certainly feels like it. Um, so I really feel like we are just going to see an increase both in the number of people who who want to use automation and who are, you know, who go and try to, to automate something. And then also, you know, the number of automation options for those people, because people are seeing, I know how I can create a way to solve this for this person, and that's going to make that easier for them. And so they do it. And that is great. Another trend I see that I think is going to increase, it only increase, is uh, well, it's really kind of two things combined. Number one is I think multi-platform is going to become a bigger deal that you write an automation and it works on your Mac and your iPhone, but maybe it works on the web too. And you know, I, I don't know, but I just feel like uh, multi-platform is going to become more important. And at the same time, I think JavaScript is going to become uh, more essential uh, for automation. I think a lot of people are leaning into JavaScript. I mean, they just released uh, Audio Hijack 4 which has shortcuts integration, but it also has JavaScript automation. And JavaScript is where you can really make that application dance. I think if you want to automate, uh, starting to get a little familiar with JavaScript is a good idea. Yes. Yeah, it really is. Um, and we've seen more and more applications add support for scripting using JavaScript. So, you know, uh, Audio Hijack is a recent one, but Drafts has been automating with JavaScript for a very long time. Um, and, you know, Omni Group added support to all of their applications, which it, it just feels like it's um, a, a language that more and more people will be able to, to learn and use in so many ways. And that doesn't mean that there is no place for things like Perl or Python and so on. Those are still great tools. And especially if you're looking to, to just automate you know, random things, automate the boring stuff with Python is a book and a Udemy course. Um, and it works and the language is, is great for solving many problems. But I think, you know, if people are looking to just upgrade um, their their automation knowledge, then we've got JavaScript there ready. You know, it's not waiting in the wings. It's just, you know, it's in the starting blocks for a lot of people. But for some of us, it's already part of the way around the racetrack. We just don't know how long the race is going to be. Yeah. And for the show, I guess, I actually, before we get to the show, another thing is, and we said this earlier, though, I think the web-based automation stuff is 
is going to get a lot more powerful and better. The, the automate the the web stuff right now still feels kind of cryptic to me. It's not that easy to do it in comparison to something like shortcuts. And I feel like the the big winner in the battle to get our web automation dollars is going to be the people who figure out how to make it easier or faster. Yeah, I, I I do think that is the case. And I think that, you know, we we've got very lucky having the tools that we've got already. So for example, in particular, Zapier and Make, I find um, much easier to use than I originally found if this than that. Um, and also, you know, they they have support for um, things that if this and that didn't have or and still doesn't have in some cases. But also particularly, you know, the fact that it's a very um, you know, it you see a list of your actions and then you open, you know, one of the actions and you see all of the different parts of it really does help. Um, and especially in, in make where it's it's so visual of, you know, you've got this this dot and this dot has got a line going to that dot, and you click on the dot and it shows you exactly what is going on there. That that's really great. Um, and I think we're gonna see more and more of that sort of thing um coming along. And also more integration with those. So, you know, app developers are not just adding, um, you know, shortcuts actions, but they're they're also adding integrations so that other people can create and run things. You know, I could create an audio hijack script and share it with you. And that is great. Um, and web services that add APIs will end up with things like um, Make and Zapier integrations, but they'll also have people just create tools that do something using their application and more and more people will use their application because that tool exists, which solves this problem for them. Yeah, totally agreed Before the show. I mean, we've never really made a mystery of our goal with the show. We want anybody to be able to climb onto the automation train. We want people listening who've never written an automation to learn enough here to start writing automations. But that's not the only thing, you know, we want you to get on the train. We want to start you moving up towards the engine. And, uh, so the goal with every episode is to give something to people who haven't automated an, an avenue or an on-ramp. And then people who are already automating, we want to help you get better at it. And that hasn't changed. We're going to be aiming for the same thing at episode 200. You know, we're just going to keep doing it. We're going to keep getting great guests and keep, keep talking about different angles of this to find some way to help you get better at this stuff. Exactly. Um, and honestly, you know, I, I have a goal of get more guests on that teaches things that we didn't know or make or give us ideas yeah. um, that we didn't have because we learn stuff from every single guest. And so many of the things that we come up with in later episodes are because that guest was on and they talked about this thing. And even if we haven't put the puzzle pieces together and made that link ourselves, that's how we end up coming up with so many ideas because we have so many great guests and also so many listeners who who do, you know, post in our forums and send us feedback, just talking about things. I saw something in the Mac Power Users Forum earlier today, somebody asking, well, so how can I um, activate a different scene when I come home um, in HomeKit? And the answer is convert to a shortcut. Um, and so I told them that, but that that's something that I'm going to be thinking about a bit more of, you know, doing different things when I come home. Well, maybe I should have um, you know, some some if statements in there or a, a switch statement um, using the choose action in Home Assistant. You know, there's lots of ideas that get sparked from just people automating. So I want more people to automate so I can have more ideas, please. I, you know, I forgot to say earlier, you know, one of my favorite episodes of Automators is 
anytime you drop some crazy home automation on me, I I, yeah. I get so much entertainment out of what Rose does at her house with her automation. It's just I just love it. You know, the vibration sensor on the chair, the the motors on the the blinds. I Rose just never stopped doing that. That's my only request. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sure my accountant will be pleased to hear that all of these are now legitimate business expenses. There we go. Um, but no, and <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, I I do this stuff genuinely because I love it. And also, you know, I'm curious how much of this stuff can I automate so that, you know, when I come into my office in the morning, um, if I come in really early to do something, I'm still in my pajamas. Yeah, the curtains and stuff are closed. But then once I've got up, I don't have to come in and, oh, right. Well, before I start work, actually, I need to, you know, pause and open the curtains and everything. No, I, they opened because the curtains in my bedroom opened because the curtains in the living room opened because the blind in the kitchen opened because I told Siri that I'm up for the day. Um, and that, you know, didn't just open blinds and curtains in various rooms. It also adjusted the heating appropriately based on my schedule and things like that. And, you know, all of those things are just me going, wait, what are the things I forget to do <laughs> or annoy me when I have to go do them? So how can I automate them? And I think that is something that, you know, people people can just steal that idea. What's something that I, I forget to do? What's something I, I hate doing? Right. Can, can I automate it or can I automate part of it? Because that's what all of this is about. Well, either way, episode 200 is coming and I predict that both Rose and I will be here talking about automation. We hope you will be here with us. Um, we want to thank our sponsors today, Devin, thank Microsoft lists, LinkedIn jobs, uh, for automators max today, we're going to go into the nitty gritty of how Rose got all those numbers out of the first episodes, uh, first hundred episodes with her scripts. So stick around for that. If you're an automators max, if you're not go check it out, it gives you an ad free version of the show with extended content in every episode. We'd love to have you join. Uh, we are the automators. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.